Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Man of Music Show with me, Toby Allen, the podcast where we talk to MENA musicians and music industry leaders to find out real life strategies to solve real time challenges within today's music landscape. Before we jump into this week's show, I want to give you all a free ebook, How to Kickstart Your Music Career. This ebook will help you build the foundations to be able to scale your fans, multiply your streams, and get you more gigs. So if this sounds like something you can think help your music career, then the link is go.maanamusic.com forward slash opt-in. That's go.maanamusic.com forward slash opt-in. I will also put this link in the show notes as well. This week, I wanted to get a different perspective of an artist at the start of their career. We often talk to those that have had perceived success, but this week I wanted to share with you the challenges and successes of someone at the beginning of their journey. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Welcome to another Man and Music show. And this week I'm really, 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 really excited to have Mustafa come on to come on to the show. Come on down. Say hi. How are you? Hey, beautiful, lovely listeners. Uh, I'm excited to be here. It's uh, Mustafa, aka Beats by Hype. Some people may know me as MC Hype. And some of my really, really close friends, they might know me as QT. That's the old school back in the day, freestyler, you know, rapper name. But now it's like it's died off. And now I'm just hype. Awesome. Awesome. So, right, let's just kick it off for those who don't know. Where, where did it all start for you? Where are you from? What did you do when you were a kid? Were you into music? Yeah. So third culture kid, uh, Egyptian American grew up here, born in Portland, Oregon, raised in Dubai. Um, I've been here since the eighties of Dubai. So like back when there was just one mall, Al Guerrero mall, and there was absolutely nothing here. And there was this tiny dinky, like little, like, kids area play area called Sinbad and that was my go-to thing back in the day in VHS videos and just playing in the arcade and all of a sudden one day I just walked into this store I think it was called I think it was called like West Star or Mega Store something like that it had like a star logo and it, it, it was basically the Virgin Radio of or Virgin Megastore of back in the day, right? So that's what really made me love hip hop. I just walked into the store and I was like testing out these um, headphones and they had the song playing from Black, Black Street and it was no diggity. And that was my first love. And then after that, like I was like, I want to buy this tape. And accidentally, the dude sold me the wrong tape. He sold me a Backstreet Boys tape, which was even better because I fell in love with pop at the same time. And then I like I started to look for music. I started to dive into like, where can I find this music in, in our region? It's like really hard to find it um, on the radio. I, I got to put a cassette tape in my, in my radio and just record stuff and make a mixtape. And like, yeah, I was like the kid 
on campus in 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 high school that would make like the mixtapes and like give it to my girlfriend or give it to like my best friend or you know try to make the dopest mixtapes. So I came from like the mixtape era and the cassette tape era, which you know I'm proud to be of that era. And yeah, I'm here now making beats, ladies and gentlemen. So amazing, amazing. So how did you do the actual mix mixing on mixtapes? Oh man, it was just like it was horrible. It was just like prehistoric, like super bad. And it was just like you know, you'd you'd start off with a song, and you try to end it up with the right like tone at the end of the next song, and like have something good, almost like a DJ. I didn't know I was being a DJ by making a mixtape, and then I was like, oh wow, like five or ten years later, I'm like. Hey, I used to DJ, but like when I was like twelve, I'm still kind of understand. How do you actually record? Oh, like it was, it was like it's it's like this um, boombox. It was like yeah. a boombox, and I would just set up the FM frequency. And I think back in the day, it was one of four eight, one of four point eight, and I would just any 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 hip hop song that would come on or any pop song or anything that was like hip hop aesthetic i would just hit record and it would just record from that point and it was it was like it was so yeah. janky but yeah. like yeah. it was so raw like it yeah. was so yeah. janky but it was so raw yeah um, i remember the one thing about cassettes is i remember my first walkman and it was a Sony yeah. Walkman, and it was blue, yeah. and it had buttons on the top that were really advanced to do fast forward and rewind. And I remember right. that. <laughs> it's madness. And then, uh, yeah, playing with ghetto blasters and things. But we were playing, I was playing electronica back in the day. Um, nice. You know, things like Snap, I think, uh, rings a bell. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> rhythm is a dancer and stuff like that. But classic, <laughs> classic. Um, and then trying to do a dance, but um, I'm I'm six foot five, you know, and a gangly white male looking like a camel on ice, really. Um, so but you're enjoying the music. That's all, all right. that matters, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, t- I took that onto dance floors for many years to come. Um, you know, dance like no one's watching. Um, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, awesome. So um, you moved into producing. You know, obviously the, you've been DJing, producing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, stuff, how did that come about? Producing the actual, you know, sitting in front of a. I presume back in the day, it wasn't. You know, what what doors were you? DAWs were you using? Like, uh, how did you get into producing? So I'll start with saying I've been producing now for about, you could say, since 2014. And uh, before 2014, um, it was just me using Audacity for a very, very long period of time. And I don't consider Audacity a DAW, but a lot of people say that, oh, yeah, you can still use it like a DAW. Um, And I did use it back in the day without knowing, like, just to mix, like, tracks um, or just to create a new version of a track, uh, remix tracks. Um, And that's what I'd use back in the day when I had zero knowledge and YouTube wasn't um, so in our face right now with technology and it wasn't as high speed. Like now it's just like everything's HD, right? So with a lot of tutorials from YouTube and like how like the, the, the beat making community is starting to become like a thing now, right? So 
I just started by buying the equipment, um, which I my first like piece of machinery for making music was a machine micro. And I was using at the time the machine DAW, which it came proprietary for that native instruments device, right? Um, I started learning how to make uh, you know chopping samples and how to sample. And the minute I made like or released my first track, which was uh, basically my rendition of um, Lady by Majo. I, I remixed that track and I chopped it up and I, I started to notice like a big, big, big um, reaction in the Dubai scene. Like all my peers were like, hey, you know, keep going. You're, you're onto something here. You're like a chopping God. And I'm just like, you know what? People are just buttering my toast, you know? And I started to then dig deep into it and I started getting like MIDI keyboards and started watching more tutorials on YouTube. And I started trying to figure out like, okay, like how do I sidechain? How do I EQ? Do I need plugins? What's a plugin? Uh, what is a DAW? Which I just jumped into it with zero knowledge, right? So I'm just trying to le learn everything from scratch. And as I'm learning, I'm creating my sound. So I, I later discovered that my sound was actually lo-fi and I didn't even know that it was lo-fi <laughs> until like someone said, Hey, like, do you want to be on my lo-fi playlist? And that was big Hass. And uh, I joined his lo-fi playlist to, to find out that, Hey, like, you know, dude, you need to create like a Spotify and you need to do like all your marketing. And, and I come from a marketing background, but I just never got into music marketing. And this was the perfect opportunity for me to just shine um, marketing wise. And I started exploring these new techniques, these new strategies and like, um, uh, what do you call them? The DSPs, which are like the digital service providers or digital streaming providers. I, th I forgot the name exactly, but. It's funny you say that. I call them digital sales platforms and it's completely wrong. It's uh, digital <laughs> service providers, but to me, they're there just online shops. So I call them sales yeah. platforms. Yeah. So like I started getting into that and like, it was about a year ago and I released my first single, which was Jawab. And Jawab was a very, very, very melancholy, uh, very sad, very depressing lo-fi beat, which is like typically what every lo-fi should sound like, right? And it was a completely original rendition, a composition that I made. And it had a story behind it, which was basically just me creating like this love letter to um, a person that's gone like a person that's gone from my life and I want them to come back um but then I come to terms with myself and I come to terms with the 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 space I'm in and I understand okay I can't ask you know for for the impossible you know what I'm saying so and that's the feeling that's the vibe behind Jawab um jumping straight into it I started to think of like okay I need to monetize my music I need to start doing more instead of just putting it on on Spotify and just having it just sit there uh, or putting it on SoundCloud, which I, I did primarily most of my stuff was on SoundCloud, which I don't recommend any producer to start off by doing that. I say go straight 
to Spotify and, and Rami and all digital platforms because... I was going to yeah. say, why? Can you just, your experience, that's, that's a great bit of knowledge there, but what, what was your yeah. experience with going straight to uh, SoundCloud? So my experience with going straight to SoundCloud instead of finding a DSP like DistroKid. So SoundCloud was a platform for me to just kind of like showcase my art. And if you think of it as a gallery, this was the gallery that nobody would just show up to unless you invited like your close friends. Um, and you have to work really hard to invite your close friends to get them to this gallery, this art gallery. And you, you like really, really care about your art pieces and you're like super passionate about your art pieces. If that's the case, then you don't want to invite them to a gallery where no one's watching. You want to invite them to a very, very big museum where people pay money to actually, you know, go check out the music. And sometimes people will stumble across your music on accident um, on bigger platforms like the DSPs, such as Spotify and Rami and so forth. Now, the perk of being on these platforms is you get paid. You get paid for having your art being displayed versus being on SoundCloud where you where you have like a basic free subscription. You're not going to get paid. You're just going to have, you know, your your art piece just hanging, hanging up like this. And it's just great. It's nice to look at, but you're not getting any kind of, you know, any kind of sense out of it or any kind of return on investment. Um now the ROI or return on investment, I started to like look into it as a producer um, a year after I started placing my music on Spotify because or on all the on on the DSP, which is distributed to everything, right? So the reason why I looked into it is because I want to create like a secondary income. I want my peers to consider me equal to or greater. Uh, maybe if I'm greater, I can inspire others, right? Um, to each their own. Obviously, there's no greater, lesser. It's it's all art at the end of the day, right? But like, if you are being looked at as a community leader in your thing or in your niche, then I think you're technically greater than the niche of other niches, right? So this is all I'm going to say about SoundCloud versus like, let's, let's simplify DSPs to Spotify. A song on Spotify will probably get me less than, let's say if I'm doing so much work or less work, I'll probably get like a minimum $10 out of this whole thing within a year, right? If I'm doing zero work, zero marketing, I'm going to walk away with at least $10, if I'm marketing so hard on SoundCloud and telling everybody, hey, 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 get get my SoundCloud, get my SoundCloud. And there's nothing. It's just views. It's just plays. And that's mainly because I don't have a pro account. And why would you limit yourself to a pro SoundCloud account when you can limit yourself to a pro Spotify and Rami, Deezer, and all of these accounts? Um Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube Music, Snapchat, 
all these names like Instagram. My music is now on all these platforms, mainly because I took my stuff seriously and I wanted to go to the next level. Amazing. So let's just rewind. There's two two points that um, I picked up there. You said Distro Kid. Why? Why not the others? Um, so I, I looked into TuneCore and CD Baby and initially uh, as a starting artist, I wanted to spend a certain amount of money and I didn't want to spend too much money to where I would like not be able to break even, right? Or at least get a a, a, de- a decent return on investment. Uh, my initial investment into DSPs or DistroKid was approximately, I think in the beginning was like 12, 12 or $13 for the yearly contract or membership. And then I changed into a slightly more premium bundle because it allowed me to label uh, my tracks under my my record label. So it wouldn't be um, a Beats by Hype under 1234XYZ record label, right? It would be under Beats by Hype by Wasta Records, which is basically the way I'm branding it, right? Um, and this is technically me starting off um, doing this project as a start off so I can later down the road, get other artists on my label and have them go through my funnel, which is my district kid. Because the way I see it is the more you have on one district kid account, the more you can actually get back. Have you had any issues with district kid? Just personally? Zero. Customer service all good. Labeling with the Arabic okay. I'm just... Honestly, the, I haven't. I'm, I'm sitting on the fence here. I'm, I don't know any. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of the issues with the Arabic. I've heard a lot of the issues from my peers uh, when it came to payments and some of the customer service issues. But you know what? I must be a very lucky guy because I'm not having any of these issues. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when it comes to labeling things in Arabic, I'm just labeling it in English. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know. If you're if you're an Arabic singing, speaking, rapping artist, I think the best bet is to go through a label and not to go through you know a DSP. Um, mainly because if you go through a even even to get services, small services from a record label, um, you're gonna get yourself out to the right channels. Mm-hmm. to the right people mm-hmm. um, because that target demographic is very niche. Um, DSPs, they don't do the niching for you. They just, they just throw you out there. Right. But if you do know that, okay, yes, my goal, my target is to be an Arabic singing individual, then yeah, you probably want to have a conversation with like Rotana or like somebody like, um, universal and see like what they can do for you in terms of services versus of like, Oh, let's go and get my track on a DSP and see how that works. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, one more point that you, uh, I want to rewind slightly, uh, which I thought was fascinating and I'm, I'm a big believer in it is understanding that you're a musicpreneur, that it's a business 
Yeah. Um, gone are the days of just being an artist and having a smoke in a studio and everything done for you. Yeah. How how important, when did you recognise and how important is that to you, your understanding that I'm running my own business here? So if, if, you, if you can recall, like we met on Clubhouse. Okay. And I think it was Clubhouse that did it for me. I think Clubhouse is what made me start to look at the, the glass half full. Um, and, and I wanted to fill that glass up like all the way to the top. And it fueled me because now I'm exposed to ARs. I'm exposed to people that are professionals in the industry. I'm starting to understand, okay, wow, this is a completely different like approach than what I had in mind. Like I was all about, Hey, I want to create art and just be an artist. And then I was like, Oh, there's dollar signs. Like I could turn this into an income. I can literally leave my day job and like do this. Why not? Why not give it a shot? Why not give it a try? Uh, I'm still like, not like, I'm not making like a hundred or $10 yet. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm on the verge of getting there, you know what I'm saying? But what I want to do, what I want to be able to do, and I've said this on many interviews, I want to be able to reach my first million through streams. Like, that's my goal. My goal is to get to a million, a million, like, dollars, dirhams, whatever it is. I just want a million strictly, purely through streaming and streaming my music. Okay, how are you going around that? How how are you how are you going to get there? What's your what's yeah. your thought process on this? My thought process is okay. Expose yourself as much as possible. Um, do a lot of interviews. Uh, do a lot of talking. Expose yourself to blogs, music blogs, um, and then just constantly uh, have these milestones that you're vocal about on social media, which I am um, my last track, which is, which I just released in the beginning of this month of April. Uh, it's called Christopher um, and Christopher, I, I released it and it's now at 3000 plus streams on Spotify. Um, and I think I'm starting to get the hang of this instead of, like, oh, let me make a track a year ago and just let it simmer and just think it's going to magically pick up. It's, it, it doesn't work that way. It, it, it takes a lot of effort. Like I have to reach out to curators. I have to reach out to playlisters. I have to reach out to music bloggers. And it would, it would make a huge difference if my artwork was different and genuine. If, if I had... Um, if I had an actual marketing team that was doing it for me, like I'm sure 110%, if I had a team behind me, my visual content would be amazing and I would get at least double what I'm getting right now, uh, like six to 10K streams um, only by doing visual content because that's king right now. Um, there's also like, a method to the madness. And you know, what's funny is I, I feel like I'm, 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 I might be advertising Spotify a lot during this conversation, but like what I'm starting to notice from Spotify is it's giving you the tools uh, from, you know, Spotify as an artist, as an app, 
there's an app called Spotify for Artists. Now, the minute you post a track, you can actually like or pre-post it. Like you start a campaign of having a song being distributed, right? So you can actually pitch this track or this song, uh, podcast, whatever it is, you can pitch it to playlisters and the best time Spotify says in their blogs, in their, you know, helping guides that they put on their, on their website, which they have all this great informative stuff to help you succeed. They say that you need to put your stuff for four weeks in advance so that the, the playlisters get to hear it so they can understand, okay, this is going to work with this playlist, or I should put it under the lo-fi for Arabs, or I should put it under release radar, or I should put it under top uh, 40 or pop. So knowing the method to the madness, it, and I'm starting to like educate myself more and more and more and more and more, the more I dive deep. Um, I think it's it's really impacted my music right now in terms of numbers. And I think that's going to project me forward. Uh, in terms of strategy, I don't necessarily have like a crazy strategy. I'm just like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make music, focus on the music. And then the minute I'm done with making music, I feel like it's the right kind of vibe I want to put out. Okay, now it's time to strategize. I need to put this out four months, like four weeks uh, in advance. I need to reach out to music bloggers, uh, such as like Musive. Uh, I'm going to name drop people right now. Musive, uh, Undefined Creativity, which they support talent, uh, local talent. You have Rap DXB. Uh, so all these platforms that are talking about local talent and they're like, hey, 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 check this guy out. He's doing stuff. Reach out to these people because as an artist or as a DJ, podcaster, anything to do with audio content and you want to get like some money out of it, this is what you need to do. This is the step one, make music, make your audio content. Step two is you need to start creating a strategy. Step three is you need to execute that strategy. Step four is reap the benefits of what you're sowing and just sit back and relax and chill. Step five, repeat. <laughs> yes, yes, repeat, repeat, um, repeat. How important do you think that advertising uh, for streams, um, paid ads to get you more eyes and ears onto your music, how important is it to you and how much do you invest yourself? So, yeah, the 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 where I'm standing right now is I haven't really invested anything at all in you know paid ads uh to boost my you know my presence online or to boost my music online uh or to get me in front of the right people um i've i've strictly gone organic for now uh, mainly because i'm trying to focus on the music uh i've i've fell into this deep hole before where I'm, I'm my mind is just scatterbrained in every direction where I'm I have this marketing mind and I have this music mind and I have this business mind and I have this mind that's like oh I want to get like something out of this mind and I, I, I'm just trying to quiet all of them down and just have the music mind just talk for a moment and have each of these minds discuss, um, you know, have a, have a proper discussion. And I'm, I'm at the point where 
now the business mind and the marketing mind are actually having a discussion um, and they're, they're, they're getting along fine with the music mind, but I haven't really sat down with music mind and business mind hand in hand, um, mainly because it, I don't think it's the right time for it. I think the right time will show itself uh, just, just as you know, a lot of things have unfolded for me so far. Um, and yeah, I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a rush because uh, I, I can't really rush something that I don't know that's good or bad yet. You know what I'm saying? So, so far, uh, I'm happy with the experience. I'm happy with the journey. The, the music sounds good. Um, I'm creating and I'm enjoying creating. Yes, there's a few like blocks here and there, especially when I'm making only one genre. And this is, this is, this is probably going to like raise another question. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm starting to make multiple genres now uh, other than lo-fi. So now I'm starting to venture out into different genres. And I have a release that's coming out on the 21st of May. And this is going to be a UK drill slash grime vibe, which is completely different from lo-fi or completely different than the two singles that I've put out and it's high energy, uh, complete opposite of what I've done. Um, and mainly because I want to see, okay, like the audience that I have right now, are they going to appreciate this? Are they going to be okay with this? And at the same time, you know, I, I kind of want to weed out the, the audience that's not okay with this because I kind of want to put myself in a, in a position where I can control the music that I'm putting out instead of, you know, they want a specific type of flavor. And I feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm a guy that's got different kinds of flavor of barbecue. It's not one thing. Amazing. Um, before we round up, I just want to say how important is social media to you? Um, if it's a free platform um, and you're, you're not investing, you know, yet, and you're seeing what works for you, which I think is great, you know, and, and playing the long game. But is social media um, a, a big thing for you? Uh, yes, it's a big thing for me. Um, mainly as a DJ, I, I've, I've, I've definitely used social media to boost my presence and to boost um, myself as a DJ in, in the public eye. Um, now, in terms of being a producer, I don't want to do that, mainly because I've already established myself already uh, as a DJ. So doing that and then becoming a producer is kind of like just fluid. Um, but yeah, definitely social media is very, very important to me. I, I use it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it, when it comes to me uh, investing in social media to get... Um, my my production up or my music production um, to the level where I want it to be, it's definitely going to get there. Or my presence as an artist, uh, it'll definitely get there. Um, I, I'm very confident that that's going to happen because you can't, you know, the proof's in the pudding. It's happened before. Uh, it's going to happen again. It's, it's a trend. So it, it, these trends do happen on social media every single time. As long as you know the right... Um, method to the madness. 
Safa, it's been an absolute honour to have you on here. I've really enjoyed listening to have a fresh look at certain topics. Um, just to round off, where can people uh, find you um, on social media if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, people can find me on at mc.hype, uh, H-Y-P-E, and that's on Instagram. And the minute you get to my Instagram, you can click on the link in the bio. It'll take you to all my you know, music platform accounts. Um, and in my next phase, I'm going to start incorporating news in my link tree, which is the link that's in my bio, uh, so that you can actually stay up to speed. And most likely, there's going to be a, a newsletter coming out soon. Uh, I am going to start working on merch and uh, distributing merch for free uh, the minute I start creating the um, the newsletter, which it's it's not free, it's a giveaway. So that there's a difference, you know, between free and giveaway. It's going to be a giveaway for my subscribers to my newsletter, and hopefully uh, that's going to be a thing that I'm going to do soon, not not later, but sooner. Mustafa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Toby. I really appreciate you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of The Man and Music Show. Thank you for listening and I hope you got a lot of valuable information from it. If you like this episode, then please make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if you could leave a review, it really helps with the growth of the podcast. Lastly, if you're a musician or music producer and want to join the region's thriving online music community and learning hub, then head on over to our Lab Musica Facebook page. Until next time, take care, keep safe.